Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Nate Hale here. Just a little programming note going forward. We had a scheduling change happen here in the Top Secret Podcasting Temple. So even though we just released an episode last week, you get another one this week. So expect the next episode to drop two weeks from today, and so on and so forth. Thanks for listening, and now, on with the show. On June 6, 2020, a man named Forrest Fenn shocked would-be treasure hunters around the world when he announced their decade-long hunt was over. Fenn was a New Mexico art dealer and author who, ten years earlier, had published his memoir, The Thrill of the Chase, in which he famously included several short stories and a cryptic 24-line poem that held clues that he said would lead treasure hunters to a bronze treasure chest he had filled with gold and valuable jewels. The hunt for Fenn's treasure would go on to spur scores of would-be treasure hunters to scour the American Southwest looking for literal buried treasure. Fenn was a lifelong outdoorsman who, in 1988, was diagnosed with terminal cancer. But that prognosis appeared to be a bit premature because Fenn recovered from his illness and dedicated the remainder of his life to creating a treasure hunt that he hoped would spur people to learn to love nature as much as he did. At least that's how Fenn planned it. During the decade that followed the publication of Fenn's book, The Treasure Hunt was plagued by controversy. Five people actually died searching for the treasure, and many skeptics began to cry foul, claiming there was no treasure, and Fenn was committing a dangerous hoax. But Fenn stood by his claims the treasure was real. Then, in June 2020, Fenn announced on his blog that the treasure had been found by an anonymous person and even posted a few photos of the chest to prove it. A few months later, an anonymous poster wrote on the website Medium that he was the mysterious individual who had found the treasure. But the man's identity didn't remain secret for long after a lawsuit was filed by a New Mexico woman who claimed her computer had been hacked and her own Fenn treasure hunt research had been stolen by the anonymous individual. It turns out the man who found the treasure was a 32-year-old medical student from Michigan named Jack Stoof. Stoof reluctantly came forward with his true identity along with more details revealing how he had managed to locate the treasure in an attempt to refute the lawsuit. In his defense, Stoof claims to have never heard of the woman from New Mexico who believed the treasure to have been located in her home state. Stoof revealed the treasure was actually found in Wyoming, not New Mexico although he has declined to reveal the precise location he found it, in keeping with Forrest Fenn's final wishes that the location remain in its pristine condition. Fenn died in September 2020 at age 90. Stoof revealed to a journalist from Outside Magazine that he managed to solve the riddle of the hidden treasure by taking a more holistic view of Forrest Fenn the man, rather than strictly focusing on the man's cryptic memoir. He studied every interview he could find with Fenn, 
as well as watching every TV show about the treasure hunt. From there, he managed to apply what he'd learned to get a better sense of who the man really was. This was knowledge he then applied to solving the cryptic poem and other clues scattered throughout the memoir. But even though Forrest Fenn's treasure has been found, that doesn't mean would-be treasure hunters don't have other opportunities to find lost gold in the American Southwest. There's another story about a mysterious lost treasure out of southwestern New Mexico in a place called Victorio Peak. It's a strange story that involves murder, intrigue, and government conspiracies. And if it turns out to be true, there just might be a fortune in gold just waiting out there for someone to find it. A fortune some claim may be worth as much as $2 billion. I'm Nate Hale, and if you throw me the idol, I'll throw you the whip. And this is The Conspirators. Victoria Peak is a craggy mound of rock that rises up about 500 feet out of a dry desert lake bed in a part of New Mexico known as the Umbreo Basin. It's an arid, desolate region that's largely inhospitable for most living things, save perhaps for the rattlesnakes and the occasional mule deer that live among the scrub brush. It was actually on a deer hunt in the area that in 1937 a man named Milton Ernest Doc Noss claimed to have stumbled across a treasure worth approximately $1.7 billion. Doc Noss worked as a traveling medicine showman who later began selling himself as a foot doctor. Although it's never been made entirely clear whether the man had any real medical training at all. In 1933, he married Ova Beckworth, whom he nicknamed Babe. After they got married, the couple settled in Hot Springs, New Mexico, which later became Truth or Consequences. It was there in Truth or Consequences that Doc and Babe opened a foot clinic where they mostly treated people's bunions and ingrown toenails. In November 1937, Doc went on a hunting trip with Babe and four of their companions into the Umbrio Basin. They made their camp at the foot of Victoria Peak. This was an area that had once been used as one of the Apache Chief Victorio's hideouts, as well as the location of a battle between Victorio's warriors and the legendary Buffalo Soldiers from the U.S. Army 9th Cavalry. As the wives set up camp at the base of the hill, the men went off on their own. Doc ended up separating from the others and would eventually make his way up the hill to scope out a fresh water spring where he knew deer would congregate. He sat down on a rock to take a short rest. That's when he felt a breeze coming up and fanning his pant leg. His initial thought was that a sidewinder might have crept up behind him and was beginning to shake itself before striking. But when he looked around, instead he found a rock that was covering an open passage into the mountain. As he peered down into the hole... Doc realized there was a ladder in it that led below. Doc's curiosity was piqued, so he climbed down the ladder which led to a maze of tunnels that eventually spilled out into a large cavern. From there, the cavern spread out into multiple chambers. In one of those chambers, Doc discovered a human skeleton mounted on a pole. It wasn't long before he discovered dozens of others just like it further on. Some reports state that Doc found 27 other complete human skeletons, although some versions claim it was as many as 79. In another chamber, Doc discovered a dusty old chest. On the lid were written the words Sealed Silver, printed in Old English script. He opened the lid and was astonished to see it was full of gold, silver, and jewels. There were several other chests as well, 
Each were filled with more coins, jewelry, statues of saints, and conquistador-era Spanish armor. Then, as Doc continued to explore, he also discovered a chamber filled with stacks of thousands of grime-covered bars of what he thought at first was pig iron. Doc was ecstatic by the time he returned to the surface. He immediately went to Babe and told her what he'd found. Doc's wife peppered him with questions about what else was down there. He told her about the suits of armor, the skeletons, the treasure chests, and the stacks of pig iron. Curious, she told him the next time he went back in, he should bring one of those bars out so she could get a look at it. The bars were incredibly heavy, but he managed to find one of the smaller ones and lug it outside. Upon reaching the surface, he told Babe that was the last one of those he was ever dragging out of that hole. But when Babe took a closer look at the bar, she noticed a bit of yellow shining through the black grime that coated it. Doc scraped way more of the grime, only to realize what he'd brought out of the cavern was actually a solid gold bar. Doc told his wife, Well, babe, if that's gold and all that other is gold, we can call John D. Rockefeller a tramp. Doc was thrilled about his discovery. But he also knew he needed to remain extremely secretive about it, or else this place would be swarming with claim jumpers. So he and Babe only trusted their secret with a small number of close confidants. Doc was convinced that if the secret ever reached the government, that they'd swoop in and take it from him. Soon after their discovery, the Nosses went into town and filed a mining claim on the location, which was leased to them for a nominal amount by the state of New Mexico. The trek to and from the mountain was treacherous enough on its own, but on top of that, getting the treasure out was made only more difficult because the only entrance they had was relatively tiny and difficult to navigate once you were underground. In fact, Babe never went down there at all because she was a larger woman and Doc didn't think she'd be able to squeeze past some of the narrower crevices. Doc brought the treasure out in bits and pieces. Usually this amounted to only a couple of bars of gold at a time. You can find photos on the internet of some of the other alleged treasures they discovered, including a bejeweled crown and even one of Doc's friends wearing a full suit of Spanish armor. Now, you're probably wondering by now, where would this treasure have come from? There are multiple theories about the treasure's origins. One theory goes that the treasure once belonged to Juan de Onate, the man who founded New Mexico as a Spanish colony. It's believed that Onate had amassed a large fortune in stolen Aztec treasure and chose the mountain as his hiding place. Another theory goes that a Catholic missionary named Father Felipe LaRue, who operated a gold mine in the area, used the mountain to hide his gold. According to the story, the young priest befriended an elderly Spanish soldier who told him about a rich gold mine just north of Paso de Norte. LaRue led a poor Indian tribe to the mine where they began digging out the gold. But when they learned the Spanish were on their way, they hid the gold beneath Victorio Peak. The Spanish eventually killed the Padre and all the members of the tribe when they refused to give up the location of the gold. A third theory suggested the gold could have belonged to the Emperor of Mexico who decided to hide a significant part of his fortune below the mountain. Yet another theory goes that the gold actually came from the Apache chief Victorio, whom the mountain was named for. In that version of events, Victorio had spent years raiding stagecoaches filled with gold that had been mined in California and hid it away from the white men who invaded his territory. The last major theory even said the gold was put there by General George S. Patton for safekeeping after discovering a cache of stolen Nazi gold in Germany. But of all the stories, we can probably discount that one since it doesn't remotely fit the timeline of events if Doc Noss is to be believed. 
Whatever the case may be, by 1939, it's estimated that Doc had removed anywhere from 200 to 350 bars of gold from the mountain. But he still maintained there were around 16,000 more just like it down there waiting to be brought to the surface. It was because the work was happening so slowly that Doc decided he needed to risk enlarging the narrow opening into the mountain. He hired a mining engineer named Montgomery to help him out. That man wanted to use a significant amount of dynamite to blast the opening wider. Doc argued with Montgomery that this was a bad idea because the cavern entrance was unstable. The two men bickered and eventually the engineer won out. But just as Doc feared, the explosion was too much and the cavern entrance collapsed, sealing them off from the treasure forever. Doc was furious, of course, but at the same time he did still have a significant amount of the treasure he'd unearthed. But he soon learned that came with its own inherent set of problems. In 1934, U.S. lawmakers outlawed the private ownership of most gold under the Gold Reserve Act. According to family members, Doc spent the next decade looking for ways to sell off his treasure on the black market. He was also always on the lookout for trustworthy individuals who would be willing to invest in helping him excavate Victoria Peak. In the meantime, Doc hid his treasure all across the desert. He sometimes buried his gold in locations known only to him or a few close compatriots. Other times he did things like drop gold bars and horse tanks at nearby ranches. Over time, the relationship between Doc and Babe grew strained. At one point, he just plain never came home. Initially, Babe thought Doc might have gotten trapped into the tunnels below the mountain. Instead, it turns out he ran off with another woman. In 1949, Doc met a man named Charlie Ryan who was willing to buy 51 gold bars off him. But Doc remained wary of the man. He'd recently lost $60,000 on another gold deal. To ensure he didn't get swindled again, Doc hired cowboy Tony Jolly to go with him to the desert and move the gold to a new hiding spot and rebury it. Tony Jolly would later give interviews in which he personally claimed to have handled and buried 110 gold bars. The following day, March 5, 1949, Doc went to Charlie Ryan's house where the men got into an altercation over the gold. Charlie started waving a gun at Doc, accusing him of being a con man. Doc ran from the house, and Charlie shot him in the back. Police arrived on the scene and took photos of Doc Noss slumped over his car bumper. With Doc dead, this left Babe as the sole person who still held a claim to the treasure beneath Victoria Peak. But Babe's problems only mounted in the years that followed. She enlisted the aid of her family to continue excavating the passageway at the top of the mountain. In 1952, they claimed there were only a dozen yards from the original opening to the central cavern when the United States Army showed up and shut them down. This was the dawn of the Cold War, and the U.S. military was actively building its missile defenses. The area surrounding Victoria Peak included the Army's White Sands Missile Base. Soon, the Army showed up at Victoria Peak and ordered Babe to get off what they claimed was their property. Babe fought the U.S. government in court over her family's rights to the mountain but most of their claims were denied. By the 1950s, word had begun to leak out about the treasure that allegedly lied beneath Victoria Peak. Babe Noss began hearing word that the army could be seen milling about on the mountain. Aerial photos from the time show scores of roads crisscrossing the peak. Babe was convinced the army was actively trying to claim Jumper. Even after official orders were given that nothing was to be done with the peak, stories continued to leak that army personnel could be seen entering the mountain. 
A former airman first class named Thomas Burlett years later told the TV show Unsolved Mysteries that he and a group of off-duty soldiers who were curious about the legend of the treasure actually went to the mountain and found another hidden entrance. They worked their way inside and discovered the cavern containing the stacks of gold bricks, just as Doc Noss described it. Burlett said he marked one of the gold bars with his initials and stood it on end on top of one of the larger piles to prove they had been there. The airmen eventually informed their superiors about what they had found. They were then denied permission to return to the mountain, but they still managed to sneak away and take steps to ensure no one else could salvage the treasure either. Burlett said the following weekend he and his compatriots returned to the entrance and dynamited it in four different places to blast it shut. Just over a year later, the Secretary of the Army created a top-secret military operation at Victoria Peak. In 1961, Babe Noss, with the blessing of the state of New Mexico, filed an injunction against the Army from doing any further excavating at Victoria Peak. Two years later, the Army petitioned the state of New Mexico for the mineral rights to the land, but their request was denied. Despite that, aerial photos from that time showed that significant work was being done on and around the mountain. A year later, an anonymous group hired renowned attorney F. Lee Bailey to petition then-Attorney General John Mitchell to allow them to excavate Victoria Peak and sell gold bars. The secret of the buried treasure became public knowledge when it was brought up during the Watergate hearings after John Dean testified about Bailey's request. It was then revealed that Bailey's group involved a consortium of businessmen and several military and ex-military personnel who laid claim to the treasure. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Because of all the massive publicity that followed in 1977, the then 81-year-old Babe Noss and her family were finally granted special access by the Army to search the mountain one more time. Although the family was originally granted a two-month window, that time was then cut down by the Army to 30 days, then to only 10. With just 10 days to excavate the mountain, there wasn't a lot of hope that anything of value would be found. Dozens of would-be treasure seekers were also allowed on the mountain, as well as dozens of reporters, including Dan Rather. Some of the more conspiratorial stories say the Army appeared to have taken active steps to make the treasure hunt even more difficult. Everyone who went up on the mountain was searched by Army personnel to ensure they didn't have any gold on them as they came or went from the peak. Many witnesses claimed they found signs the Army had previously shut down several known entrances and put up steel gates over certain areas. When permission to use bulldozers was requested, in an area where it was believed a shaft was located, the Army denied their request. This forced many treasure hunters to rely on picks, shovels, and their bare hands to dig. Lambert Dolphin a scientist from the Stanford Research Institute used ground-penetrating radar on the mountain and announced there appeared to be a large cavern at the base of the mountain around 300 or 400 feet deep. Babe Noss wasn't the only one who arrived on the mountain that day with a claim to the treasure. Six other groups of claimants also showed up as well. These included F. Lee Bailey's group, a group representing the Apache Nation, another led by Doc Noss's former mistress, and yet another led by a living relation of legendary outlaw Jesse James who claimed the gold was some of their infamous relatives' stolen loot. 
During the 10-day search in 1977, workers did manage to excavate the remaining rubble from the location Babe Noss said was covering the hidden entrance to the cave. But by the time the debris was cleared, the hole in the earth ended at a dead end. Which pretty much sums up everything that happened during the entire treasure hunt. Nothing of significance was found. Yet despite that, many treasure hunters remained convinced there was gold in them thar hills. Before we continue, I want to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Raycon. Every new year, all you'll hear is, New Year, New Me. That usually means you'll be picking up better habits or trying new things. And if you do take up a new hobby, it's even better when you have amazing audio that will make the experience even better. That's why I recommend wireless earbuds from Raycon. Whether it's following along directions in the kitchen, binging an audiobook while learning to knit, or powering through a new workout with a pumped-up playlist in your ear, a pair of Raycons can make any activity easier and a better time. Raycon makes great sound accessible to everyone. Their wireless earbuds start at half the price of other premium audio brands. And guess what? If you think having white stems dangling out of your ears look ridiculous, that's something you don't have to worry about with Raycons. They come in a range of stylish colors that also have comfortable in-ear fit for a more discreet look. And they don't just look great. Raycons perform wherever you take them with up to six hours of playtime, water and sweat resistant construction, and Bluetooth that pairs quickly and seamlessly. Right now, Raycon's offering 15% off all their products for my listeners, and here's what you've got to do to get it. Go to buyraycon.com TC. That's it. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order, so feel free to grab a pair and a spare. That's 15% off at buyraycon.com TC. Buyraycon.com TC. And now, back to the show. If you research this story, you'll find a number of people who suggested by the time the 1977 search occurred, the army had long since cleared out any gold from the mountain, and there was simply nothing left for anyone to find. Like a lot of stories from history, as you research things, you'll sometimes begin to notice certain discrepancies in the narrative, depending on who's doing the telling. So here's where we need to stop and take a closer look at the legend of the treasure of Victoria Peak and consider if there ever really was any treasure to begin with. Consider the numbers for one thing. Many of the numbers you'll hear get tossed about in the story change dramatically from source to source. For example, some versions of events say Doc Noss found 24 skeletons in the caverns, whereas others, like the Unsolved Mysteries segment, say there were 79 of them. As for the gold itself, although most estimates seem to land on the magic number of $1.7 billion, some versions go as low as $26 million or as high as $37 billion. There are also discrepancies in other aspects of the story as well. Some versions claim Doc went to the top of the hill that day in 1934 to scout out a nearby spring. Others say he took shelter from the rain under an outcropping, and that's when he found the secret passage. Keep in mind, none of the little differences you can pick out of this story necessarily proves it to be a hoax. But they should cause you to wonder about just how much else you should believe. You also have to consider the source of much of this story, namely, Doc Noss himself. Some of the more skeptical folks who have written about Doc dismiss him outright as an obvious con man. It is true that prior to 1934, Doc worked as a traveling medicine showman and folk healer, even though there's scant evidence he had any real medical skill or training at all. 
Something that struck me about the story was the part of the tale where Doc spent years trying to gather investors to help him excavate the mountain after accidentally sealing it shut. But by any telling of the story you hear, it's also said that Doc still had at least 200 gold bars, as well as any number of gold coins, jewels, and other precious artifacts he had already removed from the mountain. Which makes me wonder why he didn't just sell those to finance his mining operation. Also consider the simple fact that, to date, as far as I can tell, no one has ever produced a single piece of the treasure as evidence it exists. Throughout his life, Doc did produce several photographs of gold bars, some of which were clearly stamped with the name LaRue, as well as photographs of other items like his friend wearing the Spanish armor and even a jeweled crown. But there was an astute Reddit user a few years ago who pointed out that the photo of the crown bears a striking resemblance to one of the Spanish crown jewels, which would have been widely printed in books and magazines decades ago. In 1939, a man from Santa Monica, California named Charles Usher submitted a gold brick to the U.S. Treasury to be assayed. He supposedly paid $200 for the brick to a man named Grogan. The assay revealed the gold bar only contained around 97 cents worth of gold. Later, the Secret Service were able to track down Grogan, and he revealed that he obtained the brick from Doc Noss. Some unsubstantiated stories have claimed that Doc Noss used to purchase cheap copper bars in Oro Grande and have them electroplated with gold in El Paso in order to pass them off as the real thing. Other such stories claim that Doc was known to sometimes salt the sand around the peak with tiny flecks of gold. Then, when he'd bring potential investors around, he'd do a little panning and show everyone how he'd just discovered gold. Babe died in 1979. Terry Delonis, one of Babe's grandsons, became instrumental in organizing some of the treasure hunts. Delonis admitted that from time to time Doc would do things like try to pass off ingots of copper as gold, but Delonis insisted that Doc got the copper as a byproduct of refining the gold he'd found inside Victoria Peak. At the same time, if the treasure was a hoax all along and Doc was nothing but a con man, that doesn't explain all the other people who have come forward claiming to have personally handled it. There's Babe Noss, of course, as well as her own children, who have told reporters of stories such as them playing with jars full of rubies and other precious gems when they were little. Tony Jolly, the cowboy who Doc Noss employed in 1949 to bury some of the gold, went on to tell reporters that after Doc's death, he went back and dug up some of the gold and sold it for $60,000. Norman Scott, the president of the treasure hunting group Expeditions Unlimited, was the one who organized the 1977 search that came to be known as Operation Goldfinder. And while he never claimed for certain the treasure existed, he did come away convinced there was a cavern below Victoria Peak. A later search of the mountain was conducted in the 1990s, which the Army called off early when a cache of dynamite was found in the tunnels beneath the mountain and said it would be too dangerous to continue. Curiously, something else that's been claimed to have been found during that expedition were markings on the cave walls put there by Doc Noss. There were also other, much older cave drawings, which, at least one account I have found, said were made by the ancient Aztecs. You also have to consider the stories given by military personnel who have claimed to have personally seen and held the treasure in their hands. There was a story told by Airman Thomas Burlett who said he and some other servicemen made their way into the mountain and found the gold bars. One of the other men in that group was Air Force Captain Leonard Feige, who had his own strange story to tell. 
Feige claimed that after he and the others filed official affidavits attesting to the fortune they'd found, his military commanders made the men take them out to the mountain and show them the general area where they'd been poking around. Immediately after that, Feige claimed he was given orders to ship him out of New Mexico, and soon he was facing trumped-up charges he was mentally ill. Feige said the army harassed him with death threats for himself and his family for the next 15 years until he took part in Operation Goldfinder. It's certainly a strange story, but one that had further corroboration when the sister and brother-in-law of a former Army MP named Captain William Orby Swanner came forward. After hearing the treasure mentioned during the Watergate hearings, the couple told reporters they knew for a fact the story was true because Swanner told them so. Swanner, they said, had been tasked with personally supervising the removal of thousands of gold bars from the peak after Burlat, Feige, and the other men came forward. Those gold bars were later smelted down and sent to Fort Knox. And to prove he had been there, Captain Swanner told them he had spray-painted his name and serial number on the cavern wall. So even though the Victoria Peak gold has never appeared, perhaps one of the most tantalizing clues that the story is true is that the signature really exists. You can find photographs of a cave wall that were taken during one of the treasure hunts showing Orby Swanner's name, rank, and serial number, followed by the date, October 7th, 1961. The Conspirators is written and produced by me, Nate Hale, an entirely fictional identity. Thanks so much for listening. I have a new Patreon supporter to thank. Thank you to Claire for signing up and helping support the show. Just a reminder, patrons of the show can get access to all sorts of nifty bonuses, including stickers, magnets, t-shirts, and our ever-growing library of bonus mini-episodes. I'd also like to remind you we have a merch store open that's packed full of all sorts of cool and interesting conspirators designs for shirts, phone cases, pillows, you name it. If you're interested, I'll put a link in the show notes to both the store and my Patreon. Another great way you can help support the show that won't cost a dime is to subscribe, rate, and review us on Apple Podcasts. Each one of your ratings and reviews helps boost us in Apple's magical algorithms and helps spread the word to more people. If you're not on Apple, not to worry. We're also available on Stitcher, Spotify, and most of the other places you get your podcasts. We also have a website, theconspiratorspodcast.com, where you can listen to our entire back catalog of shows. Elsewhere, feel free to reach out to us on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also send us an old-fashioned email at theconspiratorspodcast at gmail.com. I like hearing from you. It's lonely out here in the podcasting void. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll be back next time.